0: Why did the koala bear get the job? I don't know. He was the most qualified candidate. (laughs) good, I like it.
1: My kids are gonna like that, qualified. This week, we're talking to Ilya Brodsky, the founder and CEO of VanHack, one of the largest international tech recruiting firms, sourcing candidates from all over the world. Global recruitment is a fascinating space, and it's changing incredibly fast, especially right now. And Ilya's the person to ask about it. So I did that, let's roll. Elia, thanks for joining today. I'm really excited to have you on the startup stack. You know, maybe to kick it off, there's a lot of recruiters out there. There's a lot of different types of recruiting firms. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about VanHack, what they do, and how it differentiates from other types of recruiters.
0: For sure. So, um, VanHack, we um, are a... Tech recruiting company. So we are specialized in the software engineers, tech talent, DevOps um, field. And within that, we do direct full-time hires. So we're not outsourcing uh, or contracting uh, like many other companies. Uh, we just do direct hires. And at the same time, it's direct hires for candidates all over the world. So whether those candidates work w- for you remotely or in many cases with VanHack, they would relocate to the cities that you're based in or to the country you're based in uh, to help with things like time zone, and to to have the person closer to you, so that's been a biggest difference is actually being able to find talent anywhere in the world. Um, so we can find more qualified talent, uh, more diverse talent faster.
1: You talk a lot about direct hires. You know, is there do people approach you, or is there a lot of confusion about? Um, are you actually helping me find like software dev shops or these contractors?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like funny. Actually, never. I never meant to start a recruiting company, and so I'm kind of. or for the last you know few years, I've been learning how all this works, and one of the things that I has been a little bit of a. A challenge is that there's so many of these dev shops and kind of you know from different you know if I'm sure people can know the countries I'm talking about where the people are sending you messages on LinkedIn or I sending you cold emails and saying hey Mm -hmm. we have all these developers for you that that can work on X X rate and um, we've been kind of lumped in with those because we also do international hiring so people think of VanHack sometimes I I feel unfairly as just another you know dev shop we don't have uh, this this model we do direct hire so the person's on your payroll part of Culture in your Slack, yep. permanent employee for however long you know they they, they stay with you, um, which is a huge difference to these kind of project based companies or uh, outsourced companies. So it's we really want to try and differ- differentiate ourselves from them.
1: We at RocketPlace have used you guys and worked together and hired someone onto our team. She's amazing. Um, you know from from what I understand, you guys are approaching a thousand people hired. You have you know hundreds of thousands of people in your talent mm. pool. It's really impressive what you've built. But let me ask you. You said you you said you never meant to found a recruiting company. Give me the story. <laughs> you know what what were you doing when you thought of this? You have a super international resume. Yeah. Um, how, yeah. how did you found this international recruiting company?
0: After university, so I went to school in the U.S. and uh, in, in upstate New York, and and was thinking um, after. Around I graduated in 2010, just after the, the you know the financial crisis, and I was thinking, okay, what's what's next in my career? Where do I want to go? A lot of my friends were going to to Wall Street or to consulting companies, and I I wanted something different. I wanted to do actually get an international job myself. Um, I had seen um, a guy came from Mahindra, an Indian company, talked all about how mm-hmm. you can get an international job and then come back to. Canada or the U.S. a few years later, your resume is going to be way better than someone who just went and got a, a kind of a quote unquote regular job on Wall Street. Um, and that stuck with me. And I had been, have actually been an immigrant ever since I can remember, like I, my first job, of, uh, my first memory of my life, sorry, was um, mo- moving from the Soviet Union to Israel when I was two and a half. And then I, I later moved at, at five to, to Vancouver. Um, so kind of moving around uh, has been part of, of who I am for a long time. Um, so I got three offers after university, one in India, one in Brazil, and one in China. Uh, and I ended up getting taking the Brazil uh, offer, it was actually the best paying, so that was the, uh, the motivation as well as I had been in Brazil before and I really liked my, my week that I spent uh, doing a volunteer spring break trip there. Um. So I went there, and everyone likes their first week in Brazil. That's, <laughs> yeah. Right. Come on. That for, that it was, it was a lot room. of fun. Um. You know, I was 21 years old, so it was it was fun. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Great actually, yeah. My, I'm um, married a Brazilian woman now, so kind of uh, went full circle. Awesome. Um. Anyway, so that that uh that kind of first job, um, was a really great experience as well. Back in 2010, 2011. The, the economy there was going really well. Um, and ended up ended up actually quitting that job about a, a year and a half later because they sent me back to Canada. I was like, no, I, I want to keep working in Brazil. I found out about this a startup accelerator in Rio called 21212. 21 uh, was the area code of, of Rio and t- 212 of New York. So there was a, a, an American uh, investor and a, a Brazilian investor created this accelerator. They're trying to be the YC of Brazil. Cool. Um, and they, um you know I, I just showed up one day to their uh, their uh, demo day uh, everyone thought i was an investor cuz i was a foreigner um but i was just this oh. <laughs> broke college or uh, recently recent graduate and i just started like meeting the people and um one of them actually ended up needing a co-founder to do sales and marketing or else they were going to get kicked out um kind of perfect timing and he said you know you know what if you join me or i made a proposal pre- pre- and hey if i join you we end up doing the program. Can I have a percentage of the company be a co-founder? He said yes. He didn't really have much to lose, and wow, uh, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I wrote a blog post about it. I was walking in a banana beach. It was kind of cool. Sorry, looking back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so that's yeah, a little more details. And and uh, fast forward um, uh, a little bit. And during that time, so I should say, I met a lot of developers. Um, and and was, that was my first kind of experience in tech. I didn't really. Know anything about tech i, w- I did finance and, and marketing before um and then worked in a mining company i didn't really know about um you know what a pivot was or anything like that i kind of learned all, all the jargon and um lean lean a startup uh you know read, read all eric reese and everything like that and just loved the, that that mm-hmm. world it was just so much more exciting for me uh, i'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur when i ever since i was a kid but didn't really know how um, so that's how I um, ended up meeting all these soft, software engineers. Um, they, they were uh, working either working at the startups or, or co-founders of the startups, and a lot of them would ask me questions about Canada, um, uh, or because they knew I was Canadian. So, hey, how do I? What how, how's life in Canada? Maybe like I have a cousin who wants to move there, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then at that time, I was I created a course called uh, Brazil Career Blueprint, which was helping uh, foreigners move to Brazil. And all of my friends there, who were Brazilians, said I was doing it the wrong way. I have to help. Yeah, Brazilians move to Canada. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, and it was in my head. And when I moved back to Vancouver in 2014, uh, after four years in Brazil, I started uh, getting messages from all these developers I met uh, at the accelerator and different mm-hmm. meetups. And they started saying like, hey, I really want to move. How can you help me? And my first idea was to help them, um, help people move to Canada uh, to do coding boot camps. But what I ended up realizing is people who are more senior, they need help with soft skills. So they need help with like resumes, and understanding how to do um, job interviews. And that, that's how our first education product was born. Um, a year later, or about six months or a year later, companies start asking me for instructions to developers. And that's how uh, we started the recruiting side. And then do you still do the other side? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a big part of our uh, talent acquisition strategy. Yeah. So um, a lot of, like, we, we call it finding the diamonds in the rough and shining them up because there's so many great developers out there all over the world, you know, not just in Brazil. We've expanded to over 170 countries now where one of our core values is code has no accent, right? So if you can code, you know, in JavaScript, you can speak JavaScript anywhere. But English, a little bit more challenging sometimes, especially for developers who are a little bit more introverted. So we, we kind of help them improve those soft skills. And then it's much easier for us because to, to place them in jobs because um t- typically like we have first access to this talent because we're the ones that know that they're ready to go um, and so that that uh, yeah it's a we had a, um, we call it Van Hack premium so one, one of our premium members got hired uh, this week so uh, it, it, it is a small percentage of our, of our talent pool but um, they're the kind of most committed ones I would say mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, definitely a big big um, a talent acquisition strategy for us
1: yeah i mean I, I love that saying code has no accent it's great <laughs> hey, tell me a little Thanks. bit more mm-hmm. about on the you know on the other side of the platform the companies that are hiring on van mm-hmm. tell me about what countries are they in yeah what stages are they typically maybe what verticals how are they mm-hmm. finding you um and van hack tell, tell us a little bit more about those
0: yeah. So we started off in Canada um, and that's, that's still our biggest market. Um, but we also, in 2017, uh, did the Techstars program in Germany, in Berlin. Uh, so mm-hmm. my co-founder and I moved moved to Germany and we spent a year and a half living in Europe. Um, so Europe is actually our second largest market, Germany, the Netherlands, um, kind of Western Europe. Um, and then recently, we've really started expanding more into the US because of remote you know, being much more accepted now. Yeah. Um, our typical customer is, I would say, a, a kind of a mid-size scaling startup. Um, maybe they've raised the series. C- C- or Series A, they have between 20 and 200 people, and they need to hire, let's say, three to five engineers as soon as possible. Um, and they just can't find enough of that talent in the local market. Um, so they come to us whether to find someone who will work fully remote or someone who will work remotely to start and then move uh, when the time is right. There's a lot
1: of ways you differentiate, hack differentiates me from a typical recruiting firm. But I think there are also some really interesting logistics that you have to tackle in terms of, how do you move someone or what are the work visas like? Yeah. You know, how, do you, um, how do you do the interview processes? Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about all those logistics that you guys have had to figure out in, in building a global recruiting platform.
0: In, in early days, it was really hard for us to get companies to pay attention to to VanHack because just the visa process, especially in Canada, was so difficult. And one of the reasons we moved mm-hmm. to Europe, to Germany uh, specifically, is that they've had this uh, fast track visa for developers for for quite a while. Um, places like the Netherlands, for example, even give you a tax break if you're a skilled uh, worker who who moves there. You get thirty, per- you have to pay thirty percent less tax for the first eight years that you move there. So there's this kind of like wow. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's a global global battle to bring, you know, as many high uh, skilled workers and taxpayers to your country. Um, some, Great. Yeah, so it makes it so you, you we have to kind of be experts in all these places or, or partner with experts. So in the beginning, in early days, we would just partner. So we would have an immigration consultant who would be um, helping us. Um, and we still do that in Europe. But in Canada, we decided it's such a core function for us that we brought it in house. Um, And we have uh, two immigration consultants who work for full-time as well as a relocation coordinator. And they just do work visas all the time. Uh, We're just about to launch actually a visa pipeline where we're going to have like a Kanban board where all the different steps of the visa process will be easily seen. And you will know exactly what documents to upload uh, and what's missing, what's not missing, and all that kind of just visibility into the process very easily seen. Uh, Whereas, you know, usually when you think of a visa process or government processes, there's just... It's just so many forms and it's really complicated. So we're, we're looking to streamline and automate that. Um, th- that's coming soon. But right now, it's it's mostly done just by our immigration team internally. Um, and because we've do- we have helped so many different companies hire from abroad, especially into Canada, we're actually the largest international um, recruiting company in the country. We brought more developers to Canada than any other single entity. Uh, Amazon is number two. Um, they're the largest single entity. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's all public data on the government website, so we can I can say that with confidence. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Like we we helped one company hire over 120 people um, and relocate all of them to Canada. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's exciting. Of course, now with COVID, things things a little bit different, but uh, still, I believe that people want to want to move to great countries even more now than than before. So like moving somewhere that that has high quality of life is um, you know it's just, I always say this like we found something that developers want more than a higher paying job. It's a higher higher quality of life.
1: I mean, clearly one of the reasons you've been successful is figuring out all these hurdles, uh, you you know, figuring out what you just were speaking about, about how, you know, developers don't just want higher paying jobs, they want a higher quality of life. Mm -hmm. But if you think back to the early days, what were some of the biggest hurdles for you in starting VanHack and making this work? And when did you know you had that moment? That yeah. aha moment when it was when you said to yourself, "I actually think this is going
0: to be successful." Hmm. Yeah, the, the second question is actually really interesting. The first one uh, is definitely people, um, hiring, team stuff. Um, so I how big is your team now? We're we're thirty two. Um, we were close to fifty, and then COVID happened, and we had to make an adjustment, unfortunately. But um, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of slowly growing back up now. Um, we hired a few people in the last couple of weeks, and it's exciting to to go in that direction again. Yep. Yeah, um early days actually Most people don't know this, but VanHack in the beginning had uh, me and three other co-founders. That that was really, really difficult. Actually, I started as a side project and really didn't like because what you said, the second question of like, when you know it was going to be successful. At first, I totally did not think it was going to be successful at all. I just said because I had done all these different projects that never worked out like in Brazil, the startup I worked at didn't work out. uh, um, Just a bunch of stuff were kind of a bunch of failure after failure, uh, about like Mm -hmm. three years of things not working out. Uh, And so when I started VanHack, it was just uh, it wasn't even starting it, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna try this project. And I remember having like a Facebook messenger group with me and three other people, and we we're just like, this is this project sounds cool, let's start it. And um, I actually started off um, giving everyone the same amount of equity, which is like a big learning lesson without vesting or anything. Like That's like okay, we all get twenty five percent for co founders, um, and that caused a lot of headaches because uh, even in like the first two weeks, we had to let the first person go because she just went on vacation and like didn't tell us, and it was this huge miscommunication. We actually didn't even meet in person. It was uh, we had one two people in Brazil, two people in Canada, and the people and they're all living in different cities. So anyway, I can go on and on about that, but a uh, lo- long story short, there it was um, ended up. Getting rid of all those co- like the three co-founders, one one harder, more stressful than the other. Um, and now it's it's my, my my wife and I are kind of working together in the business. But the people and hiring was just super hard. And also on the tech side, like I'm not a technical co-founder. Like I'm not technical at all. I can mm-hmm. make a WordPress site, and that's what Van Hack was in the beginning. Actually, it was, it was a landing page in the beginning uh, using Unbounce. Uh, members area mm-hmm. was like it was all just off the shelf off off the shelf software. Um, and building our first actual product was a huge pain because one of the co-founders who was like um, uh, the, uh, in the early early stage, uh, I don't know if you've called him co-founder, one of the people early, early days who started the company with me, um, he, he was like in charge of tech and he took three months off. He just he, he also he moved uh, to Dublin and uh, he, his friend was doing the coding. It just was a mess I. And, and yeah. so like that feeling of not being able to have confidence in my product being built because I'm not technical. Um, and having to rely on others and others not delivering and just like scratching like like just um, pulling my hair out of I, I don't know what to do to make this happen um, was really, really hard in the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, now we use Van to to hire developers and um, one of our um, kind of first employees is now our cTO and he's he's amazing. We built a really great team. I love the story.
1: I want to ask you some questions about companies that work with Van to hire. Mm-hmm. you know, a, as you as you meet those companies, what? they They must be looking at working with different recruiters. If you were going to give advice to those the you know the entrepreneurs at those companies, the people at those companies, what are the questions that they should be asking in evaluating different recruiting firms or agencies that they're working with?
0: Kind of basic questions would be um, fill fill rate, like how how often, how many jobs, like mm-hmm. what's the percentage of uh, of jobs that you fill? um that that would be a big one. Um, technical vetting or vetting process in general, like what do you do to make sure that this candidate is good? How do you know they're good? Also speed, like how quickly can you get me candidates? What's your average time to close the role or average time to send candidates? Well,
1: and let me come back to a second on on technical vetting, because that's something that I imagine a lot of people really want to understand. Like, yeah. how do you do that, especially with the huge talent pool across so many countries? You know, I, th- mm-hmm. I think you said 170 countries, right? And you're you're approaching two hundred thousand people in yeah, your talent yeah. pool. How do how do you scale such a massive
0: technical talent network? The thing with that number, like there's there's that, that many people have signed up to Van Hack, but that doesn't mean that they're all good, right? So a large percentage, yeah, a huge yeah, a huge percentage, probably like 60, 70 percent of those people can easily like Say hey, you're not you're not a good fit because they're either their English isn't isn't that good. We have a self serve English test that they can take and records the video so we can mm-hmm. see you know their, their English communication is not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, they're just not developers or they don't have the right skills or they're too junior. So yep. so most people aren't aren't a fit there. From there, for the technical side, we we um, we have kind of a first step with ha- a HackerRank test, where someone would do a coding test on HackerRank, and we get uh, we have an API integration with them, and shows up on their Bad Hack profile, and companies can see the results. Mm-hmm. And then we recently started implementing technical vetting, where we have a a developer. Um, who's kind of turned, turned recruiter or a developer who's doing this kind of for us as a part-time gig, um, do an actual technical interview with the candidate um, and then and say, hey, you know, we, we think this person is, 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 is good or not for a specific skill. But it, it is really hard because, you know, there there's so many different skills, right? Python, Java, et cetera, et cetera, JavaScript, React, of course, um, DevOps. There's so many different ones. So we're, yep. we're trying to figure out what are the most in-demand skills that we can kind of pre-vet and create a talent pool for um, that we have high confidence that, vetting um, these people is actually going to result in, 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 um, in making a placement of the, of the, of the candidate.
1: The world is, is it, just software development. As you said, code has no accent. So it's really gone global. And... Exactly.
0: Yeah. Do you
1: have companies that you've met that you haven't wanted to work with because you felt that maybe they weren't set up to make international talent succeed?
0: There's have been a few small companies um, that we've kind of been worried about, and and kind of went with caution, and, and it sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I rarely would turn down a company if they want to work with us. Um, most of the time, if I do, it's because I just don't like the attitude of the, of the company. It's more because of like, um, you know, I only want people who are from Europe and speak a certain language and have a. You know, are have a certain type of background. It's like you That's something that's really hard to do. And um, you know, I for example, I just want to hire people who used to work at Facebook or Google or, or Amazon, like only Fang Fang ex Fang employees. Well, you don't have the budget for that, probably. So um, that, that that's typically <laughs> that's typically what I you know what happens. And um, and sometimes we we uh, mm-hmm.
1: are there other things that you wish that um, that pot- potentially companies either did. Um, to make the process better for them, and either you know recruiting people or getting the best out of their talent, or maybe things that you wish they knew before they start the process of working with you to 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 just really help align. Yeah, those. that's
0: a great question. I think a lot of people don't take it seriously. They just kind of say, you know what, like if we happen to find a great candidate, we'll hire them. Like, well. It's not. It's not that. Like you have to actually invest a lot. Like uh, great candidates aren't just sitting around hoping to be. Found. Well, let's talk about that. So, a
1: company that is very successful working with you. What yeah. what do they What do they do? What type of process do they run?
0: Well, they're just they're just engaged and fast. Like they reply. Um, they don't miss interviews. They they don't um, you know reschedule interviews last minute. They they don't uh, waste candidates' time or um, you know. They, they don't little let little things like oh the candidate's internet connection wasn't so good so I'm going to reject them um, get in the way you know so sometimes okay the candidate didn't have the best internet connection maybe they you know they live in Venezuela where the internet there's brownouts right like doesn't mean that they're a bad developer they just happen to be in a place where there's not the best uh, electricity right so I think a lot of times companies are expecting the candidate to kind of like do the work to get to them where if you really want a great candidate like everyone else does too. And that person probably yep. is going to get a few offers. So, um, just cause they're from another country, doesn't mean that they're desperate to work for you. Um, you know, it, that's not the mindset. I think sometimes people have this mindset of like, Oh, like these people are oh, there; They're so desperate. They just want to get out of their country. No, it's like these people are the cream of the crop in their countries. Um, they happen to just want want another job. It seems like no matter what, no
1: matter where in the world you live, the, the top talent is always in really high demand. So I wonder, um, on specifically on the on the side of top talent, you know, we've talked about a couple of things. We've talked about work life balance. We've talked about compensation. Um, we've talked about more than just compensation. You know, what, tell me a little bit about how, from from your vantage point, all the all the talent that you've placed. You know, what do you think that those candidates are really thinking about? What really makes the difference to them in choosing one one company versus
0: another? Yeah, c- culture and um, is huge. And and what does culture mean? Um, like. For me, it's how um, the, the onboarding process is, how the you know the general day to day, like what's expected of them. Are they are they are they kind of being um, with a boss who's a slave driver and just said, "Hey, get this done right away," or someone a little more flexible and understanding? Um, we had a company actually recently um, where the candidate just said, "Like I quit after two weeks because it was just so unreasonable what the what the company was looking for, so things like that." Also, legitimacy. Um, this is kind of a an interesting one because like you know, you got to look at it from the county point of view. They're um, most of the time with that Hack, they're you know, going to relocate and they're going to move. Uh, most of our candidates, they're between 30 and 35 years old. Most of them are married. Some of them have young kids. So they're kind of in this phase of life where they can't, you know, take a risk on a, on, on a company that's not serious and not going to, you know, pick them up at the airport and, um, you know, really just do all those little things that's going to help out. I mean, picking up the is not the biggest thing, but you know, is the company going to be around in six months to to a year? Yeah. Like, are they going to move to a country that they don't know anyone, they don't have a job, their visa is tied to this company, and all of a sudden this company is going to go out of business? Like, oh my gosh! So those kind of things, I think, even more when hiring international candidates makes makes a difference because they're never they, they might not, not have heard of you, like they probably never heard of you, especially if you're an early stage startup. A lot of companies come to sure. us because they don't have that employer brand. They're not the the fang companies. The fang companies are the ones poaching their talent. So how are they going to? Uh, compete, and that that hack is the solution there. So, yeah, it, it's it's a big um, it's a big part of of our kind of what we say to companies is like really prove to these candidates. Um, and how you do that is you know showing up to interviews on time, um, you know being responsive, taking things seriously, giving feedback uh, quickly, whether positive or negative. The worst thing is waiting like three weeks for a company to give feedback. Uh, is just they're going to lose the candidate.
1: I want to talk a little bit about. How this has changed over time, mm-hmm. and you know how how you've seen over the last five years, you know the mentality around international talent and how that's changed. And you know one of the things that it reminds me of is it reminds me a lot about the value proposition around RocketPlace, which is that you know for all different types of service providers, whether it's recruiting or or software dev, um, there so often that you know those. F- the great firms that we want to work with aren't actually right in our backyard. And, and it's the same thing here. Whereas like, there's actually a ton of amazing talent, but has that, has the mentality of people been changing and what have you seen?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll just talk about Canada because that's one of the one I know the best or the, um, the market I know the best. Um, Actually, with Canada, the biggest thing was the global talent stream visa that came out. So um, it's basically what, what happened in 2017 is Canada pretty much made like a, a fast track visa for tech talent, kind of similar to how Germany and the Netherlands had before. Uh, what I hope one day the U.S. Uh, H1B program will be turned into um, is basically if you give a developer a job offer, they can be in the country in about two months and the, the their spouse can work and all these things. It's been really, really great. And so that process has really opened up con- companies' mindsets. And I have many conversations with, with HR folks or founders who know what it used to be like before, and they would just say, oh, God, it was so terrible before, I would not even consider. Like, if you didn't have on your resume like Canadian citizen or permanent resident or, you know, local candidate, um, we wouldn't even, we would just automatically reject you. Now that's, that's really changing. A big part of your business is helping people relocate. But now we're living
1: in, co- you know, we're living through COVID. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of companies that are, um, really, really moving towards distributed workforces. Yeah. So are, are you finding that companies want to work with you, but they're actually less interested about the relocation piece? It has, how has that changed things? What, what do you think mm-hmm. happens over the next six, 12 months? How is, how, you know, what's going on with this trend?
0: Yeah, it's that, that's one that's been, um, I would say a double, definitely a double-edged sword. We, we've had a lot of companies that just say, Hey, you know what? We don't even want to think about national hiring. Um, we just want to hire local because of COVID and it's too many moving parts and uncertainty around that. We've had other companies, more more companies that are in this stuff bucket, where they're saying, you know what, we tried the remote thing for a few months. It's great. Let's hire people. We can have them start remotely. If they want to relocate, we'll provide them as that as a perk. Uh, if they want to stay where they are, we'll let them stay where they, where they are. And giving people that work from anywhere flexibility option is, um, in my opinion, a huge. Um, lever that you can pull when trying to compete for top talent. Um, So sometimes candidates will, would be, you know, hey, I want to stay remote for six months, and then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look to move, and then keep working remotely after they move. So that's actually what we do at Hack and we, we've been doing this, you know, before COVID. And you guys are totally distributed, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for five years since the beginning. Right. Yeah, so
1: yeah. yeah, you've been, you've been just living this from the beginning. How many, how many different countries
0: do you have people in today? I think it's uh, between ten and fifteen. Twelve ish. Wow. Um, I, I, not. I don't track that as much as I should. But yeah, about about twelve, I think was the last count. And yeah, uh, it's 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 a big part of us. Our other value we have is you know, we are diverse, and we we really value that. Um, and we have been able to. Um, have this, you know, multicultural diverse uh, workforce because we're distributed. And at the same time, what we do for our team is, you know, top performers. If you're looking to relocate, we'll facilitate that. So, uh, two of our developers and one of our um, VPs uh, moved uh, to, to 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 DC to Canada uh, in the last uh, couple of years. Um, and then actually, the the two developers said, you know what? I actually miss my family because they're kind of in their early 20s. I want to go back to Brazil. So they went back to Brazil, and we're totally fine with that. And then maybe one day they want to come back here. Whatever, um, and and that like giving people that opportunity of you're not bound by by borders, or at least not by all borders, because hey, you can you can actually move to X country. Um, that's such a huge life-changing value proposition. Like I'm, I I'm immigrated when I was, you know, five to Canada, and my dad always talks about how, like, how was life was in the Soviet Union versus how life is here. And and I, I think that, like, a little bit of of, of a, a big part of that is is um a big part of my reason why I love the hacks like working on that hack so much is because I get to give that to other people. Um, and I think that. Because of COVID, actually, people want to relocate more, um, especially to places like Germany, Netherlands, Canada, where there are a few cases, it's relatively safe. The healthcare system works really well. Um, so the like benefit has gone up. The value of moving to Canada has gone up. So... Um, uh that that I think is is and, you know when we see that like in our numbers, we've had more people apply to jobs in July 2019 than any other month in in, in our history. So yeah, like people and also a lot of people out there looking for jobs and got out of work, unfortunately. So there's there's that too. Wow. But um yeah, I, I think that some companies, if they want if they really want to compete for tap talent, you should have the uh remote plus relocation. And having them start remote is really nice because you could have them and, and like versus pure relocation, because before we used to have companies that were just like, well, we'll just do the whole relocation process, you know, two three months, of the, and, then, and then and not having the person work, not meeting the person, and then they'll move and they'll then they'll start when they're in the office. Um, and uh, then like we we'd have, we actually have a really good success rate of how many people stay. Uh, that's actually another question you should ask for recruiting companies: is how, what's your like success rate of offer acceptance as as well as um, passing probation? Because you know, like what you know, that. It, really let's good. dive into
1: what what those rates are. Maybe just. You know, spend a second on what you were at what what you were talking
0: about. Sure, sure, sure. So, offer acceptance rate is, is is just how many people um that get offers accept the offer, right? So, let's say you you um are working on a job, the candidate gets an offer and the candidate rejects the offer. That's a terrible experience, right? Because the company went through that whole entire process, wasted hours of their time, probably had like very expensive employees spending yep. hours of their time, so lots of money spent as well, and just morale. It's like frustrating experience. You have to start from scratch. Like, oh damn it, like. Wow. And another candidate we lost, it's, it's mm-hmm. a child experience. So, um, you know, you, you want to have that as low as possible. Um, I don't know the exact percentage. I would say it's around 90% offer acceptance on Vanac. I know it's much higher than with local candidates, which mm-hmm. is another benefit because candidates usually who are like from abroad, they usually don't get two or three offers at the same time. Um, so that, that that's that's much mm-hmm. less rare. Oh, and also the chances of them getting a, a counter offer from their like current company, which is usually the reason why people don't accept an offer, is because their current company like matches or gives them even bigger a raise, right? So like um, that that doesn't happen, or if that does happen, it doesn't really aff- affect it because it's not really about the company; it's about yeah. the, the location. So yeah. So and then also our um, probation pass rate, so pa- pa- staying past the th- first three months, that's uh, about ninety five percent. So uh, we we have um, for example twenty nineteen we had believe 250 hires and we had like five or seven people uh get let go in the first three months so it's that immigrant mindset you know you have that person who's moving they they're really invested for them like like for example anastasia on your team like it's not just another job for her it's another like change of life right her her, she's moving to another place so you 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 can see that in, in the kind of passion that developers bring. uh, That's what I hear from our customers, is is that developers, they're not just kind of mailing it, mailing it in, just cashing the check. Hey, like I'm gonna do my nine to five code. Um, They're really engaged. And Mm -hmm. a big factor of that is is the international piece, um, which is why I think in COVID times, even, even though people can't necessarily relocate as much as they could before, like right now, maybe in three six months, kind of things come back online faster. The relocation, uh, the propensity to relocate, I think will will go up. Uh, probably less people will actually relocate, but the desire to do that is going to be greater.
1: Last question I have for you: You know, you as an entrepreneur, you've built this incredible business. You've had a you've had a lot of starts and stops, but Van Hacks doing fantastic. If you could go, you know, back in time and give the the young Ilya some advice. As an entrepreneur, or maybe the all the other entrepreneurs out there listening to to this podcast, what would, what would be the key pieces of mm-hmm. advice you would you would want to share?
0: Um, so the first one is vested investing v- <laughs> schedules <Yeah>. for equity.
1: It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> it's a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, and and like contracts, um, like simple things, right? Like I I didn't take things seriously because I I had so many failures before, and, and just kind of things didn't work out, and. Um, so I just said, you know what? If we're all friends. Everyone's everyone's nice. We're we're all gonna get along. Um, and I think that's another thing. Like I'm a little bit too trusting as a person, um, or at least have been, um, like especially when I was uh, younger, um, kind of naively maybe. Oh Yeah, we're we're all gonna get along, and no one will will will, will kind of. Um, be dishonest or whatever and and um, you find out quickly that, uh, that that does happen unfortunately every once in a while and you want to protect yourself so uh, I used to get really intimidated and worried about those kind of things like oh my god if I asked someone to sign a contract are they gonna think that I don't trust them and you know, ruin our relationship and stuff like that and um, I, I really feel like that um, you know having learned the hard way, it's it's not that big a deal if you do ask someone for that and and having that, even if it's your best friend, you know, just having all that written down and, and, and kind of um, taking care of best case, worst case scenario analysis um, is really important. So that's like more of a logistical thing. But um, I think just like on the general stuff, um, if you're non-technical, learning how to grow um do growth is so so important so um i i remember like learning how to do ads um how to do landing pages conversions all those kind of things and getting into the metrics of you know pirate metrics that dave mcclare used to talk about in 500 startups that is so important and so powerful and you should start like just with a simple like i i i don't know i i i worked at the previous startup in brazil it failed because we just put way too much emphasis on product and not enough emphasis on market or growth and distribution. Um, and so we we, we we failed because of that. And VanHack, I think I took the different approach where I just put up a really terrible looking landing page with a basic message and said, hey, if you're interested, put your email in. And then just did a bunch of customer discovery calls. And that worked out. And that kind of learn learning and listening to the customer is really important. And the last thing I'll say is the importance of building community. I didn't really think about this in the beginning, uh, but the way I built Hack was uh, with the school mentality. So we were kind of like, We hack together as our first value. So we're kind of learning together, working together, um, helping each other out. And that community mindset has actually been a huge growth factor for us, where we've been able to. Um, get more referrals. People always say, "Like I found out about Vanek from a friend." Generally, like have that feeling of we're all in this together, and we're creating content and uh, creating content and engaging. And we actually have a Slack group with almost seventy thousand people in it, and that kind of thing really, I think, drives our candidate experience and having that that powerful kind of engagement on that side of the market, which allows us to then uh, make make like you know placements faster for for our employer side. So the community aspect and community management side, I think, is very underrated. Um, and you know you'd look at uh, uh, like the oh, the guy from product, not to forget his name. You know he does a great job with that. I think he's like the child of that. Uh, Ryan, who exactly? Of course, sorry. yeah. Um, with a huge smile on his face on Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Learning that skill, I think, is is super valuable and and one that I think is is underrated. Um, so I would I would get into that if if you're non-technical. Okay, this was awesome.
1: Thank you so much for the time today. It's been great working together you know, thank you for being part of Rocketplace. Thank you for joining us today on the startup stack and sharing, uh, you know, your story and all your experiences and advice. It's been it's been really exciting. So thanks.
0: No, my, my pleasure, Louis. Ever since I met you and Ben at that coffee shop uh, last year, it's been really, really great to, to get to know you guys and, and help you. This has been really cool to like reflect on some memories I haven't thought of for a while. So I appreciate the questions and it was a lot of fun.
1: For more on our conversation today, visit www.rocketplace.com podcast. We upload a new episode every week. So if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to the Startup Stack in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Thanks again for joining us. See you next week.